That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Today's guest is a filmmaker, digital content creator, and branding expert who serves as an advocate for Black women's accurate representation in the media. With over a decade of experience, she's gained valuable insight into Black women entrepreneurs' narratives, a passion that she channeled in her cinematic debut. Renee Blewett is the executive producer and creative director of She Did That, a documentary that explores the passionate pursuits of Black women in their journeys as entrepreneurs. The film offers an intimate peek inside the truths, trials, and triumphs of Black women building brands and their legacies. She Did That premiered at the Essence Music Festival and is currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Renee sought to spotlight the drive that Black women use to turn their obstacles into opportunities and passions into profit. Now with her podcast of the same name, Renee continues to inspire the next generation of change agents with the stories of inspiring women. And on this episode of Work Party, I am so excited to chat with Renee about her experience as a filmmaker and entrepreneurship and the funding gap for women of color and her tried and true strategy to overcome fear. So welcome, Renee. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm so excited to dig into your background. Um, As we chatted quickly beforehand, we have some interesting parallels in our careers, but so excited to dig into like how you got to where you are, how, you know, she did that, came to life. So let's just start at the beginning. You are a storyteller by nature. You worked in PR and then started a consultancy targeting Black-owned beauty brands, launched an award-winning blog, and now you're an executive producer. So a lot of different things. But let's start at the beginning. How did that PR background lay the foundation for what would be your future multi-hyphenate career? Oh my gosh. I always say that my time in PR and all of that great experience is like the gift that keeps on giving. Had no clue that I would be here, but Every time I get to use one of those skills, and there are countless, I am always grateful. So 
storytelling is, as you know, the heart of PR. You're telling brand stories. And when I moved to New York, that was probably the first time that I saw so many women really being the face of their brands and being bosses. And I was so inspired by it. Coming from the Midwest, there's more of a mentality of get a good job and, you know, Mm -hmm. all those things, which is wonderful. But coming to New York, the energy was so different. And I was like, more people need to hear these stories. And when I launched my blog in 2009, the space we're in now where we're celebrating so many women founders, this was not happening in 2009. The people I knew who were blogging were blogging about fashion, you know, beauty, things like that. And I was like, I want to do something different. I want to talk about Black women's journeys to building brands and legacies and specifically everyday Black women who weren't getting, you know, the the shine in national magazines. Wow, I love that. And 2009 was such a specific time for the blogging world, world to your point. I had a blog in that time period. It was, and I always joke, it was like me putting together weird collages of things, which yes. like now you're like embarrassing. But <laughs> it was everyone kind of doing their own thing on the internet. It was like kind of the wild, wild west of the web um, where you could have that that point of view and people would be interested because they weren't getting access to that kind of information. So I love that. And I love that you specifically were looking to highlight women that weren't on the cover of magazines that were doing amazing work behind the scenes, because I do think there is such a lack of representation um, across the board, especially for women in business. So when you decided to leave the corporate world and go out on your own, what was the sign or the moment that like pushed you to the other side? There were a couple, but the big moment, I worked in a global PR agency in New York City in the middle of Times Square, which I don't ever have to see Times Square again. (laughs) And we were working on a new business pitch. And, you know, the night before a new business pitch is all hands on deck. We had to have been in the office until like two or three in the morning, took a cab back to Bed-Stuy, couldn't really come down off of that, you know, adrenaline I probably got a good hour and a half, two hours of sleep before my alarm went off and had to go back in the city to present for this potential new piece of business. And I had to get something out of my car and also had to move it for alternate street side parking for anyone in New York. It's such a special time there for that. And I jumped in a cab and went on my way. And it, you know, we do the presentation, you know, I was feeling a little out of sorts, but in the middle of like one of my colleagues speaking, it hit me that I didn't have my car keys because my car was still running. (gasps) I about died in that meeting and I was like, oh my goodness, like how, like, and this day would never end. And I, I was leading the multicultural team. So I couldn't say, hey, I gotta go. Yeah, I have to leave. I just had to say a prayer that my car (laughs) was still there because it was on a very busy street in Brooklyn. So we have lunch with a client. I head back to Brooklyn. I called uh, my boss who was based in the Atlanta office. And I was just like, I can't keep doing this. I'm beyond burnout at this point Mm. in tears. And luckily when I got back to Brooklyn, my car was there. I was going to (laughs) say, we need the end of the story. Oh, that is someone watching over you for sure. Oh my gosh. But that was exactly when I realized that I was totally burnt out from PR because it is all consuming. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. So luckily I was able to kind of transition slowly out of that world. I was able to scale back and be a consultant on the same team because it was such a lean team and they needed me. So while I was doing that, I built up my own, you know, client roster with my consultancy, 
to the point where I was like, I don't actually need to be moonlighting anymore. I could actually survive off of the business that I've built here. So that was the start of it. I love that. And I think that's also a testament to having a good relationship with your employer. You know, at the end of the day, you know, to your point, you're like, I'm done. I know I'm done with this version of this job, but obviously you're super talented. They didn't want to lose you. As you mentioned, you're leading this amazing team. Being able to kind of create that runway of like, I'll consult and I'll freelance and I'll leverage this opportunity into my next thing is such a masterclass on being a smart businesswoman that I think sometimes gets missed in the way of like burning bridges and leaving jobs. And, you know, you were burnt out. That's a real issue. But I think that's that is a masterclass in getting into your next thing and doing it in a way that is smart and well thought through. So, okay, you start your own consultancy. How was running your own business? What were some of the lessons you learned out the gate? Well, some of the lessons I learned out the gate included, you cannot do all of this alone. Mm. I was a solopreneur for a long time and really only brought on help for bigger projects. But I even got to the point with that where I was like, eek, I see this burnout thing happening again because it was still PR, but now with fewer resources in terms of, you know, bench strength. So one of the early lessons I learned was the power of no. It was a blessing to be able to turn down business, but I had to turn down business. And I remember specifically one client that it just, it was challenging. And so I was able to, you know, in a kind way, let them know that this just wasn't a good fit. But early on, I learned the importance of, you know, saying no, you can't say yes to everything. And then being true to what feels right, because all money is not good money. And I learned that quickly. Like I went out on my own and I'm taking this risk on myself to have a better quality of life. And if I'm working for myself and handpicking who my clients are, and it's not a good fit, and I'm trying to force it to be a good fit, I'm not really honoring why I went into business. Yeah, no, I I think that's super powerful. Not all money is good money is such a great little pull quote, because I think that's really true. And I think it's hard to say no, right? It's hard to say no. You're trying to support yourself. You're trying to, you know, save money, make money, pay people. It's it's exhausting. So, but it'll be even more exhausting than, you know, going down that path. Hey listeners, we're taking a quick moment to tell you about one of our amazing sponsors, Athletic Greens. I'm sure you've heard all the buzz about Athletic Greens, but here's why I make my AG1 every day without fail. With one single scoop of Athletic Greens, my body absorbs 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source supplements, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's a special blend of ingredients that supports so many different things, digestion, mental clarity, sleep quality, and even recovery. I just got back from a fun little girls weekend with all the food and all of the wine. And it was so much fun. But when we got back home and back to reality, I went into full recovery mode An early bedtime supplements, lots of water and a big glass of athletic greens. AG1 by Athletic Greens brings comprehensive and daily nutrition to every single body. Like I said, the formula contains 75 vitamin and minerals, including an entire multivitamin and multi-mineral probiotic in one single serving. It also has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. And it still tastes really good. Athletic Greens is also lifestyle friendly. The formula is also keto, paleo, and vegan friendly, dairy-free and gluten-free. And it fits the bill for most dietary needs. AG1 is an easy to make beverage with over 7,000 five-star reviews. Plus it's recommended by professional athletes. 
and myself. It's time to reclaim your health and armor your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com slash party. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash party to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'm Sinead Grimes-Beach. And I'm Annalyn McCord. After years spent playing best friends on screen on 90210. And fighting like hell behind the scenes. Ah, yes. How could I forget? (laughs) We made it out of our time in Young Hollywood on a show that shared names with the most iconic zip code in the world. Bonded for life, but not without a shit ton of baggage in tow. Now we are back together letting it all hang out on our new podcast, Unzipped. Tune in and unzip with us and our brilliant guests every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. So let's go back to In Her Shoes, which is obviously your personal blog. As I mentioned, your mission was to feature Black women leaving their mark. And it gained an incredible following along the way. As you mentioned, you were one of the first people you know, on the internet who wasn't necessarily sharing about their own life, but was really sharing the stories of others. So how did you identify the women you wanted to highlight in, in your content? And how did you start to create these videos and interview series like Did you just know what you wanted to do? Was it like you threw it against the wall and saw it stuck? Like, how did it come to life? So that content came to life through the first, I guess, really important series that I did for that blog was what I called the Fly Female Entrepreneur. And it was just a weekly interview series where I talked to a woman anywhere in the country through Q&A and just kind of dug deep into like, how did you get here? And I was really important about having these women feel safe enough to share their challenges because Mm -hmm. that was also long before transparency was a big thing. And that was when a lot of us felt like, especially as entrepreneurs, we had to show that we were always winning or we had it all figured out. So, you know, a lot of people told me like, wow, this was kind of therapeutic to like get this off my chest because you didn't see people talking about the challenges of entrepreneurship at that time. We were actually just doing it and suffering behind the scenes. <laughs> yes, yes, we were. That is that is very accurate. So let's get into She Did That. What sparked the idea for She Did That? She Did That was really an extension of the blog. With the blog, I started producing live events in New York City, panel discussions. And then when I got kind of tired of the traditional panels, because there was a time when like every event was a panel, Mm -hmm. I decided to partner with one of my good friends who's a photographer. We went around New York City and photographed 25 Black women entrepreneurs in their spaces where they create their magic. So if you have a beauty salon, we're there. Nail, Nail salon, we're there. If you're a writer, we're following you, you know, to cover a story. And so... 25 women said yes, and we got some amazing photos, did a photography exhibition in Dumbo. It was sold out. I was on such a high. I didn't even have my shoes off yet. And one of my guests at the end of the night said, so what's next? And I'm like, (laughs) damn, can I take my shoes off? Like, can I celebrate this win first? But being the Virgo I am, like I told her I didn't know what was next, but I literally was probably up all night and nights after just trying to figure out like, how do I top this? I could easily do another photography exhibition, but like what other mediums, can I explore to tell these women's stories? 
And ignorance is bliss because I just said, I'm going to produce a documentary. Like, because I was a fan of documentaries, love to see all of these stories about startups. But I noticed that Black women weren't really represented, especially considering how many businesses we were starting, even at that time. And so I was like, I'm going to produce the first documentary celebrating Black women entrepreneurs and really following our journey. So of course, in New York, you're always just one degree of separation from like the best to ever do it. So told a couple of people, you know, connected with people who love the idea and were equally committed to telling these women's stories as I was. And so we started filming in that photography exhibition was 2015. We started filming in 2016. Oh my God. Okay. So just to get this straight with no prior experience in film, you funded, produced, and created this documentary. Tell us about navigating that part of it, the funding, the production. Like, how did you even know where to start? So, like I said, ignorance is bliss. I had no clue how huge this mountain was that I was about to climb. And so I really approached it with my PR hat on. I wrote a deck. I wrote a plan. I wrote a timeline, which was a joke. But I kind of created this framework and I was able to tap into the brands that I had relationships with. And because I've done PR um, for large corporations and smaller brands, I knew what they would be looking for. So put together this, you know, really nice package, which I'm sure if I look back on it now, I'd probably laugh at it. But immediately going back to the importance of not burning bridges people that I'd worked with previously Mm -hmm. were on board. I used to do work with Essence. They came on as a media partner. I had a friend from the last PR agency I worked for who was at that time at General Motors in their diversity department. She signed on as a partner and it just kind of went from there. Like I was blessed to say that my previous relationships and just those people believing in me and my vision is what funded the film. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to share a new promo from one of our amazing sponsors, Swag.com. How many times have you received a gift from work and you end up putting it in the re-gift pile a few months later? Corporate swag can be fun, but this happens more often than you think. And that's why you need to check out Swag.com. It is the best place to buy custom gifts and swag that your employees will actually want to keep. They carry premium brands like North Face, Yeti, Nike, and more. And every product is customizable with your company logo or artwork. I was blown away by Swag.com's inventory. Create and Cultivate is always on the hunt for new and creative ways to support entrepreneurs all the way down to the very best planners and pens. But Swag.com goes beyond the typical branded notebook. They offer everything from custom yoga mats, AirPods to branded kayaks, corporate retreat to Hawaii, anyone? Yes, please. Swag.com also works with the needs of every company. They offer storage at their warehouse and can ship to individual addresses or send in bulk to a single location. It's all easy to manage through their free-to-use online portal. Go to swag.com today for the perfect swag and custom gifts for your company. Right now, I have a special offer to help you get started and it's 10% off your order, but only when you go to swag.com slash party and enter promo code party10. Remember, for 10% off, go to swag.com slash party and use promo code party10. So let's talk about the women in the film. You followed their lives for two or three years. That's incredible. So tell us about the women in the film and why their stories are so unique. So it took two or three years to produce the film. We didn't follow them for that entire time. So we actually 
And this is the part of the journey that a lot of people don't know when they look at how long it takes something to happen. We had to stop filming for like three or four months because we ran out of funding. Right. And again, I did not know what I did not know. I didn't ask for enough from, from the brands, which makes me think, no wonder they signed one so quickly because <laughs> I should have been asking for a lot more. Right. But I didn't know where the film was going to go. Yeah. But going back, so that timeline was just, we didn't have a budget to be aggressively filming like every day, like a huge like Netflix production. production, right? But we had to slow down for like three or four months, go back to the drawing board, think about like what other brands can I follow up with? And being in the executive producer of this project was, I didn't know what it was. You yeah. know, it, it's like literally the entire weight of the project is on your shoulder because if you don't have money, you're not filming. And I had a lot of sleepless nights worrying about, oh my God, I have all these women. They've let me into their homes and their offices and they've shared their stories. I have General Motors. I have Essence. Like all these people in my mind at night, they were sitting up talking about me. Like, when is this film <laughs> that we... <laughs> <laughs> when is this film ever going to happen? The weight of the world, yes. Knowing that they were not thinking about me and those coins that they invested. <laughs> but like in my mind, I was like, what if I don't finish this film? Of course. So I had to do what was my pride. And a lot of women struggle with this. We struggle with asking for help. Absolutely. And that is me all day and night. And a few people were like, hey, why don't you do a crowdsourcing campaign? Like you have this community of people that, you've invested in over the years sharing their stories. Why wouldn't they want to pour into this project? I did not want to do it. I did not. I promised that it was like so cringy even <laughs> thinking about it. But we had to. Like, I feel like that was my last straw. The brands I was following up with didn't get it. And so we did the crowdsourcing campaign. And the very, I posted the first post on Instagram about it, like hella early in the morning. Cause I was like, hopefully nobody sees this. <laughs> So it's like six something in the morning. I posted one of my friends who has her own like marketing agency and all these great clients texted me like before eight o'clock. And she's like, hey, I saw your post. I didn't know that you all were still in production. I have a client that may be interested. And I was like, oh, my God. Did so you we, pull down the post? I wanted to. <laughs> I, it would have been too quick. So we get on a call that day. I would say that within a week, we had that brand on board I and it just it. so happens that their investment helped us to exceed what we were looking for through the GoFundMe. So honestly, after that, I kind of like really didn't nurture that GoFundMe thing because that's a job within itself. Oh, of course. You yeah. need a campaign manager. I did not know how many times you had to remind people and like be begging for money mm -hmm. to actually get it. So the amount that we got through GoFundMe was laughable because I really wasn't committed to it. But of course, yeah. what I learned from that is you cannot be afraid to ask for help totally. and the universe will bless you if you just get out of your own way. I think that lesson for me was you have to be okay with asking for help to get to where you need to go. I love that story so much. And I love how honest you are. <laughs> like, I did not want to post it. Fair enough. So she did that premiere to Essence Fest in 2018, moved to cable and on demand in 2019, and then was finally released at Netflix in 2020. You gained this insane momentum around it. I remember, you know, seeing it, hearing about it. So tell us about that experience, you know, kind of the blood, sweat and tears that went into it, you know, and then the launch coming to life. It was magical. So like I said, I approached the launch of this film much like I would have approached a client's product launch. And so 
the film came out, you know, that big brand partner was funding screenings. We had a big screening in New York City, which was huge. We went to some of their key markets, which were secondary markets like Charlotte. And I remember being in Charlotte and doing a screening at like some small venue, but it was a very intimate, like people loved it. It was great, but it was a smaller space than anything we'd done. And I remember an older woman there during the Q&A just asked me a very pointed question. She was like, I love the film. More people need to see it. Like, what are you going to do? You're just going to just keep touring. And I was like, she literally snatched my edges. I was like, okay. this from the audience in yeah. Charlotte. She's it's, also like, what's next? And yeah. you're like, bro, I'm tired. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, so you're, it's like, it was kind of like, this isn't sustainable, sis. You're just going to just be touring. Like, you're not even going to reach who you need to reach. Like, if you are averaging one, 200 people per screening, how many do you need to do to really reach even right. 50,000 people, which is a small audience for a film? So I was like, you know what? I'm looking into that. Like, I just admit it, like, I wore a million hats on this project. To be honest, my goal was really to get it done. Right, of course. That was a huge, huge feat to get it done as a person who had never produced a film. So finding a home for it, honestly, was secondary. But because she said it in such a way that made me feel a bit foolish for thinking that I was just going to travel the world and just be showing this film for the rest of my life, I was like, okay, someone that I spoke to told me about you know, the distribution agency route. Mm. So I had a layover coming back from that from that city and a delay. So I had all this time in this random airport. So I went back to that email, found the distribution agency, which is Gravitas Ventures, went to their website and very naively uploaded the film to their server, which is kind of like, you're just going to upload your whole film to someone's server. But I trusted it because she had a relationship with them. Right. We continue touring, touring. I go to all these cities. I am, in fact, getting exhausted because it's a lot. Like It was fun initially, but then it becomes physically draining. And then the conversations you're having with all these entrepreneurs in different markets also can get emotional because it is taxing to be, you know, a woman in business. So I want to say it was probably six or eight months later, I randomly get an email from Grafidas saying, and it was the the person who sent it was a young white guy. And he was like, look, I'm like a 27-year-old white guy, but I love she did that. And I think more people need to see it. We'd love to partner with you to share it with the world. And I was like, oh my God. So that is how that partnership happened. They did an excellent job of placing the film immediately. There was a lot of work, you know, for any filmmakers listening. Even when you think the film is done, when you start looking at distribution, it's never done. There's Mm -hmm. always something that needs to be done. More money that needed to be poured into it to prepare it for, you know, the cable on demand networks, to prepare it for Apple and Amazon. And then when we got to Netflix, that was a whole different thing. But it was really a reminder that that film was bigger than me and bigger than the women in it. Because when you think about it, like I know people who have been making films for years and have never had their stories shared on Netflix, the largest streaming platform. Yeah. So it was just a reminder that like this project and the work I do was always so much bigger than me. So it's going to be pushed forward in ways that may seem unimaginable at the time. 
Starting a business comes with a million and one questions, but if anyone knows how to get you the answers, it's the Crane Cultivate team. They're on the pulse of the industry trends and business building practices, empowering entrepreneurs to launch the business of their dreams. Interested? Well, Crane Cultivate is bringing the energy and so much more to life IRL this June for the return of our amazing Los Angeles conference. Best in class entrepreneurs, industry leaders, change makers, and influencers like Winnie Harlow, founder of K Skin, and Ashley Green, co founder of Hemingway, are sharing their expertise on what it takes to start and scale a business. It'll be an immersive day of hands on workshops, mentorship sessions, panel discussions, inspiring conversations, food, drinks, hanging, networking. I mean, I'm going to be there, so you better be. Tickets are on sale now and will sell out. So head to createcultivate.com slash LA2022 to buy your ticket. So entrepreneurship is the pathway to freedom. This is an idea you talk about often, notably in relation to Black women. I imagine, you know, well, one, I want to hear what you sort of mean by that, how that sort of affects you. And can you just share a little bit more about why that's important to you? Oh, my gosh. It's so important because... As women and then as black, like there's the double minority thing. So right. if we're working in corporate America, we could be working our butts off and still not make what our white male counterparts may be making or even white women may be making. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of women in our community are the heads of their households. And so if you think about living on a fixed income that just limits so much of what you're able to do for yourself, for your family. One example of this that I think is the best way to explain why this is so important, one of the subjects, and she did that, Tanya Rapley talked about being in a financially, emotionally, and physically abusive relationship longer than she needed to be because she could not afford to leave. And so she eventually was able to leave, but she literally had a gun to her head by her, you know, her partner at the time because, you know, they were in a situation and she was able to escape and go to her mother's house. But what if her, what if she didn't have that as an option? She could have possibly stayed even longer Mm -hmm. and not be with us today. And so she built her platform, MyFabFinance, to help women to not have to be in that situation. So that's an extreme example, but... But a very real one that Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I was probably happening more than my mom has a similar story. And like, she always was like, you need to have enough money to be able to go anywhere and get out of any situation possible. And I think that's so accurate. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love Tanya. She's the best. And and she's built an incredible brand. I think that's absolutely relevant. And to your point, it's like a fixed income, you know, only has a few, has limitations. Right. And I think like we're heading towards a new type of career path that is multi-hyphenated, right? Even like for you personally, you do PR, you have a blog, you have a film, you're doing all, you're doing a, you have a podcast, you're doing all these amazing things and you're making money in different ways, right? And I think diversifying in your career is going to be the new normal as we, as we move forward. Absolutely. So talking about obviously, you know, pathways to freedom, money is a huge part of that. But in terms of VC funding, we all know the stats that women get 2% of funding. And I think for women of color, it's less than 1%, which is staggering. Despite us being like the largest buying power, we spend all the money, we get none of the money. So what does this say about the reality of like resources and opportunities? And what has your experience been? I mean, even fundraising for the film. So my, like I mentioned, my situation was unique because of my previous relationships, but most founders and especially creatives don't have these relationships in corporate America. So Mm -hmm. I do know that that was a huge blessing that may not be everyone's reality, but 
as I've continued to talk to Black women, it is just very clear that we're not in those rooms and Mm -hmm. we don't have those relationships. But what I am finding that a lot of us are doing, like we may not have the um, financial resources that our counterparts may have, but we're collaborating. And I think that by looking at the human capital that we're able to bring to each other's businesses, as opposed to the financial capital, we're still making things happen. I do think that more and more VC investors are starting to see the value in our businesses, even if they don't understand the purpose of it. Mm. Because a lot of our businesses are launched to fill a need in our community. Like if it's in beauty and, you know, you have dark skin and you go to Target or CVS or Walgreens and you don't see your complexion reflected, that is inspiration to create something that you may need. Because if you need it, someone else needs it. Definitely. So I think we're getting even scrappier about how we get things done. I always say that Black women are turning water into wine. Like we are coming to the table with very few resources and also very few examples of Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. You Mm -hmm. know, I happen to grow up in a family of entrepreneurs and I know you did too. And that again is access that a lot of people don't have. So I do understand that I've kind of been positioned to see this as normal, although the women in my family weren't the entrepreneurs. It was like the men. But I saw creating my own path and creating opportunities for myself as achievable because it was happening every day around me. Hey, listeners, we're taking a quick pause to shout out one of our sponsors, Claire. Claire was founded as a response to the traditional, outdated and hassle-filled paint shopping experience. Claire is simply a better brand, offering a whole new experience that's easier, faster, more convenient, and more inspiring. Plus, they offer ultra-premium paint that's healthier for your home and the environment. If you happen to follow me on Instagram, then you know I just closed on my dream house in Napa. Follow at our Someday Farm. I'm so, so excited to dive into the renovations, and Claire is exactly who I'm leaning on for all of our paint needs. Traditional paint brands offer thousands of colors, which is Completely overwhelming. Claire focuses on fewer, better colors that are expertly curated through an interior designer's lens. And they offer tools to help make sure you get the right color for your project, like the Claire Color Genius. It's going to be my best friend this summer, truly. The Color Genius two-minute quiz about your space and your style, and Claire delivers a personalized paint recommendation for you. It's basically having an interior designer right there with me every step of the way. Claire's paint formulations are zero VOC, Green Guard Gold certified for better indoor air quality and meet the most stringent chemical emission standards so we can paint our homes with peace of mind. Claire has literally thought of every single detail to make your paint project easy, inspiring and hassle free. And it's no surprise it's founded by a woman, of course. The paint industry is very male-dominated and legacy paint brands feel overly masculine and frankly, unapproachable. So it's really refreshing to see this new women-led brand take such a fresh approach to paint shopping. And we're going to hook you guys up. So visit Claire at www.clare.com slash party to get started and use code party to receive $5 off your first gallon of paint. That's www.clare.com slash party with code party for $5 off. I think like hearing your story, you took a lot of risk in many ways. You might have been too naive to to know it at that time. And and that probably was part of the value. But 
what strategies did you have in place to overcome fear and like get to the point of action? Because I think that's where a lot of people find themselves is like they might see that opportunity in the market, but then just be like, well, it's not, I'm not the person to do that. So how did you overcome that? So fear is one of those things that, of course, we will grapple with for as long as we're living. And what I've learned to do now is just feel the fear and do it anyway. Because if I look back on everything I've ever done and things I want to do and looked at it to see, like, was there fear in the equation? There is always fear in the equation. Even recently, like I was just telling you on the elevator, like relocating from New York to L.A., New York has been home for 20 years. It is what I am familiar with. It is not an easy city to live in, but I navigated it for all that time. The thought of moving across the country, it's like when it became real, it was like, oh my God, do I really want to do this? Do I want to leave, you know, this community I've built? Do I want to go to the other side of the country so far from my family and what's familiar? And I decided like, you know what? Fear come on, sis, I'm just going to take you with me. Like, (laughs) you're going to go to LA with me? Perfect. (laughs) Let's go. And you just have to invite it along with you. And sometimes talk to it, give it a name. Think about what is the worst thing that could happen? Say it out loud Mm -hmm. and hear how foolish it sounds, you know, and just push forward. Yeah, I love that so much. So let's end with some rapid fire sentence finishers. You ready? Okay. I'm not productive unless my day starts with Ice coffee. Oh, well, now that you're in LA, ice coffee all day. <laughs> yes. Uh, when I'm creatively blocked, I take a nap. Mm, sleep is everything. And success to me is freedom. Oh, absolutely. So thank you so much, Renee. Tell everyone where they can find your podcast. And then also, guys, make sure to head to Netflix and watch She Did That. Yeah. So the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. She Did That is now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. And if you want to follow me on social, I am I am Renee Blewett. And that's R-E-N-A-E-B-L-U-I-T-T. And the podcast is She Did That Podcast. Amazing. Give her a follow. And thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Yay! For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party.